This morning we are going to be looking at a passage out of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 6 through 10. So I encourage you to get your Bible and read along with us and stay with us this morning. There's no question that we are all going through trying and difficult times. It's hard to imagine that this literally the whole world has come to a screeching halt over this virus. Our lives have been disrupted. There are times of doubt and worry that we all experience. So often in my own life, I focus on the what ifs. What if this happened? What if that happened? I wish I could say that I'm always strong, but I'm not. You see, when we go through these difficult times, times of uncertainties, it's then that we need encouragement. We need a framework through which we can navigate through these difficult times. As I was thinking about this sermon, this passage came to me in 1 Peter chapter 5. Over the years, it's been a source of great comfort to me. And as a pastor, I have used this passage many, many times with people who are going through difficulties and struggles. But it becomes very personal to me because I think it does give me that framework that I need. When we're facing times of anxiety, times of doubt, times of fear, it's great comfort to us. And so today, this is the Word of God as found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast to him Be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray together. And this morning, Lord, as we open this incredible passage of Scripture, it's my prayer that it brings great comfort to us, that it brings encouragement to us, that it helps us to have a framework as we navigate through these troubling times. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for your spirit. And, O Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to see and hear the wonders of the grace of God. For we make this prayer in and through the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to break the passage down into four sections. And so I want to give them to you up front here. The first is we're going to talk about God's sovereign rule, that God is in charge. And then secondly, we're going to talk about his 
loving care. This God who is in charge is a God who cares for us. And then thirdly, we're going to look at a warning that God gives. He warns us about the enemy. He warns us about the adversary. And then fourthly, we're going to see this absolutely incredible promise that God makes to us. And so let's begin, first of all, with God's sovereign rule over all things. And you find that in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now, there's no question that we should be more than willing to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why is that? Because of who God is. You see, God is trustworthy. We can put our trust in him. We can humble ourselves before him because of his nature. Now, what do we know about God? Well, first of all, we know that he's sovereign. The sovereignty of God is, to me, one of the most comforting truths of all of Scripture. To know that we have a God who's in charge, a God who's in control of things, a God who rules, a God who overrules. One who is the king, who is in charge of things. He is sovereign. But we also know that his sovereignty, along with his sovereignty, comes his power. Not only is he sovereign over all things, but he is all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult for him. As I talk about some of these attributes of God, I'm actually going to be quoting from a couple of the writers. One of them is one of the older writers, and then a more modern writer. And first of all, I want to talk about God's power. Stephen Charnock was uh, a great writer, great theologian, who wrote probably the classic work on the attributes of God. It's called The Existence and Attributes of God. And he defines God's power as this, that ability and strength whereby he can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases, whatsoever his infinite wisdom may direct, and whatsoever the infinite purity of his will may resolve. Here's what it's saying. God has the ability and the strength to do what he wants to do. In other words, nothing is too, too difficult for him. And it's his wisdom that leads him in his power to bring about whatever comes to pass. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And then we have to raise the question, well, what governs this power? You know, people who have power can misuse power. Well, what governs God's power? Back to his nature. God is infinitely good. That means he is perfect in every good way. Now, one of the more modern writers is A.W. Pink, who also wrote on the attributes of God. And he talks about the goodness of God, referring to the perfection of his nature. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Pink says this, There's an absolute perfection in God's nature and being that nothing is wanting to it or defective in it, and nothing can be added to it to make it better. In other words, God is good. He is perfect in every way. So God is sovereign. He's in charge of everything. He's all-powerful. He has the power to bring about what he wills. But all of that is governed by his goodness. And then one more thing. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for our lives, and that plan 
is always good. Now, you will remember some of these verses. For instance, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. You see, that's God's plan for us. It's not for calamity. It's a plan that's going to offer us a future and a hope. Or you remember Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, his plan. The sovereignty of God, the power of God, takes whatever comes along in our lives. And God is able to take that and turn it into good for us. Or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, in which we're told, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan. There it is, the plan of Him who works out everything. Listen to it. Who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. God is infinitely good. And God has a plan for our lives. Now, because of that, he's trustworthy. So what does it mean to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? It means simply that we accept what he brings to us. The good and the difficult. Suffering and pleasure. Joy and sorrow. Last night as I was going over this sermon in my head again, Job came to mind. You remember the Old Testament story of Job? And you remember how he lost everything. He lost all of his possessions, his livestock. He lost his servants. And he even lost his children. And we're told after all of those losses that came upon him, that he worshiped God. And this is what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Talk about humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And the story goes on. You remember, after this, he's inflicted with terrible sores from the very top of his head to the soles of his feet. So much so that his wife says to him, Job, are you holding on to your integrity? Why don't you go ahead and curse God and get this thing over with and die? And Job responded to us. You're talking like a foolish woman. And then he said this. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Listen, there's no question that all of us are going through difficulties. I mean, this crisis that we're in now is a major disruption of our lives. And it has brought uncertainties and challenges that none of us would have ever dreamed we would be facing. And so we have an option on how we respond. We could be resentful and bitter, or we can be accepting and open, open to learn what God is teaching us through this crisis. I really believe this. I believe God's getting our attention. I believe he's giving us a wake-up call. A few minutes ago when Claire prayed, 
She quoted that passage out of Second Chronicles 7. Let me remind you of the context of that. God had said to his people, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. In other words, if all of these disasters come, and then he says these words, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You see how it starts there. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. We have to begin with that. That's the starting point. We humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a message for us. Listen, to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God is to trust in the fact that it is the mighty hand of God that will deliver us. Just as it was his mighty hand, as we're told numerous times, when relating back to the Exodus experience, when God led his people out of Egypt, it was the mighty hand of God, the outstretched hand of God that took the people out. That same mighty hand is going to be the mighty hand that will deliver us in due time. Because, you see, God will deliver us from our sufferings on his timetable. God's powerful sovereignty over us. But then we come next to his loving care for his people. Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's no question we're all experiencing some degree of anxiety now. How could we not be anxious? I mean, day in and day out, we're bombarded with difficult news. The question in my mind is not, are we anxious? The question in my mind is, what are we doing with our anxiety? What are we doing with it? And our passage makes it clear, as Tina said to the children, We are to cast all of our anxiety on him, all of it, because he cares for us. You see, the key is to take our anxieties to the Lord and to cast them on him. And I'm learning in my own experience that each anxious thought that I have must be quickly given to the Lord. I need to tell him what I'm anxious about. And then I give it to him because I know that he alone has the power to take away the anxiety and to do something about them. And again, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I wish I could say I was so strong in my faith that I never go through times of doubt and times of anxiety. But you know what? That's simply not true. I think some of my worst times are at night. I wake up in the middle of the night and I let my mind run wild. I think of all those what ifs. I get overwhelmed at times. And I'm learning. Let me tell you something about preachers. One of the most important things that we preachers learn is that we need to preach to ourselves first. This is not something that this needs to come from our head to our mouths. It needs to come from our heads through our hearts and out. And I'll tell you, God's teaching me a lot right now. He's teaching me about anxiety. He's teaching me about how to handle that anxiety. And so this is what I do. 
I picture, I take, I wake up now and I picture every anxious thought that I have. Like it's in my hands. And I give it to him. I give it to Jesus. I cast it upon him. And then I try to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In other words, I try to have my mind captivated by Jesus. Every thought that I have. You see, here's what I'm saying. Instead of focusing on the anxieties, I focus on Christ. I turn my thoughts to him and to what he says. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline, of self-control. And I stop and I, I think about that. God gives us that ability by His Spirit to get control of our thoughts. By His Spirit, He gives us that gift, that fruit of the Spirit called self-control. And as we begin to exercise that, hear these anxious thoughts that come. Picture them as you take them in your hands and you give them to Jesus. And then you begin to be captivated by the love and care of our Savior. We remember that He cares for us. Isn't that incredible? He cares for us. He's genuinely concerned about us because we are His beloved children. I know how much I care about my children, probably even more so about my grandchildren, to be honest. And you know how much you love them and how much you care for them. But I want to tell you, we have a Heavenly Father who absolutely cares for us. And he comes to us in our troubles, and he hears our cries. We have a high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's been there, by the way. We have a high priest who comes to take up our sorrows, who bears our griefs, as we're told in Isaiah. He comes to carry them. He wants us to cast our anxieties upon us. He's willing to carry them for us. And He's willing to give us relief. This incredible love, the loving care of our Father in heaven. Oh, yes, He's sovereign over everything. But I'm going to tell you something. But He loves you. And He cares about you. And in fact, He loves you and cares about you so much that he gives you a warning. He gives you a warning. Verses 8 and 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Listen, we have to remember who the real enemy is. The real enemy is the devil. And when does he attack us? Most often, it's when we're weak. It's when we're most vulnerable. And he causes us to doubt. Remember, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but Satan sure does. He causes us to doubt. He causes us to be filled with fear. He causes us to be anxious. He robs us of the joy and peace that God wants us to have. You see, he's a liar and he's a thief. And he causes these anxious thoughts to come upon us. 
And I'll tell you, there are times when his attacks are relentless. And therefore, we have to be on the alert. We have to be on the alert. So what do we do when we realize we're under attack? Well, I want us to go back to Jesus when he was under attack. Do you remember in the wilderness when he was tempted? And Satan came to him with these great temptations. And do you remember what he did when Satan tempted him? He quoted scripture. Now, why did Jesus do this? Because of the power of the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. And so when Satan brings doubt and fear and anxiety, take out your sword. Quote scripture to him. Go on the offensive. It's very interesting. After Jesus is tempted severely, these simple words are found. And the devil left him alone. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? The devil left him alone. You see, there's tremendous power in God's word. And I was thinking about this very passage and talk about how appropriate it is. Considering what we're experiencing right now, listen to what he says. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Isn't this so applicable for us today? I pulled up yesterday the COVID-19 map. And you know, you set map that shows all of the places in the world that are affected. And all the red that's on that map. Listen, our brothers and sisters all over the world are experiencing the same kinds of things we're experiencing And I'll tell you what it does for me. It makes me realize that when I pray, I don't just need to pray for myself and for my loved ones. But I'll tell you what, we need to be praying for all of our brothers and sisters who are all over the world who are suffering the terrible effects of this virus. Be on the alert. Satan wants to attack. But we now come to the end of this section. God's incredible promise to his people. Listen to it. This is verse 11 and 12. And the God of all grace who called you, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. My grandmother used to say when we would go through stressful times and we went through several times in our lives that we were going through some some difficulties. And she used to say to us, remember this, this too shall pass. And you know what? She was right. It did. Some of the things that seemed like they were endless struggles, they weren't endless at all. You have even stronger words from God here. This is what God says. After you have suffered a little while. Listen to it. After you've suffered for a little while. Aren't those wonderful words, encouraging words? What is it saying? It's saying that the light, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. There will be relief. And it's interesting here. 
Because that relief comes because of the nature of God. And therefore, God identifies himself in this passage as the God of all grace. You see, the hope that will sustain us through these difficult times is the hope in the sovereign grace of God. God saves us by grace from start to finish. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And this God who's all-powerful, he also gives us an eternal perspective. Because he has called us to his glory in Christ. That is our destiny. Which is why Paul said, I consider all of the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Listen, listen to God's promise to you. The God of all grace himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God's grace is at work in us. Don't shortchange what he's doing. This current trial will come to an end. Don't lose hope. Don't get overwhelmed and discouraged. The God of all grace is at work. Our Lord Jesus Christ is in control. To him be the power forever and ever. But let's remember this. Let's get real. Even after this crisis passes, other trials will come and go as they have through all of history. But here's the good news. One day, Jesus Christ is coming in glory. And all of the suffering in this world will disappear forever. There will be no more disasters. There will be no more diseases. There will be no more death. There's a day coming when everything will be restored and made strong and firm and steadfast. And who is that light at the end of the tunnel? It is the light of the world. It is our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is He who is our hope and our strength and our joy and our peace. Well, as I close this morning, I want to come full circle. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. I want to point you to Jesus. Don't forget how He humbled himself under God's mighty hand. You remember his prayer in Gethsemane? My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you see what he's doing there? He is humbling himself under the mighty hand of God. He was fully submitting himself to the will of his father. And you know what? He suffered and he died. He went through the pain and agony of the cross so that the God of all grace would pour his grace out on us and bring us into saving faith and forgive us of all of our sins. And you know what? We just celebrated Easter. The Lord Jesus Christ indeed was lifted up. He was resurrected. He conquered death. God lifted him up. 
And we now have a place with Christ in his eternal glory. It is the God of all grace who will restore us and make us strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us join our hearts in prayer. O Lord, we bow before you, and we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And even now, as we think about our anxieties, our cares, our worries, our doubts, right now, Lord Jesus, we're giving them to you. We're casting them upon you because you tell us that you care for us, and that is your will. You tell us that you're willing to take them up yourself and carry them yourself and relieve us from them and do something about them. And we pray this morning that we would be on the alert. Oh, we have an enemy and he's ruthless, although he's defeated. But he sure does want to bring havoc on us. And we know that fear doesn't come from you, God. It comes from the evil one himself. And so help us today as we resist him. And then help us to remember that eternal perspective that we have. That you, the God of all grace, called us into your eternal glory in Christ. And after we've suffered a little while, that you yourself will restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. To you, our God, be the power forever and ever. Amen.